Date of recording, the 14th of October, 2021. Welcome to episode 70 of Let's Talk Media with Vedant Thakari. For today's episode, we're talking about Breaking Bad. And my guest for today is Ms. Fariha Abrar. Hey, Fariha, welcome back to the podcast. Hi, Vedant. Thanks so much for having me again. Of course, you just want to quickly introduce yourself. Of course. So everybody, hi. My name is Fariha. I am currently a fourth-year journalism major at the University of Florida with a minor in computer science. Um, I'm currently the newsroom assistant at the Innovation News Center at the College of Journalism and Communications. And I'm also a reporter, producer, editor, and project manager for WFT News. Uh, Vedant and I have been friends since high school and when we were in our news production team. So we've been great friends since. Exactly. And so how were you introduced to the show Breaking Bad? I was introduced, uh, I'm pretty sure, because it was recommended on my Netflix. And it just popped up when I was like probably 13 or 14. And I just clicked on it one day because I was like, oh, I've heard so many things about this. And like, ah, it's legendary and whatever. Let me see if it really is about that. Um, And the first episode, I'll be honest, I wasn't super into it. I was like... I don't really know if this is my kind of show. And after a couple more, I was like, all right, this is that kind of show. So yeah, it was pretty good. I had a similar situation where uh, my dad actually watched Breaking Bad and he was like, this is not my thing. Cause he said it had a little bit of a slow start. So I think he dropped after the first season. Yeah, I, I thought it had a really slow start too. And that's why I was like, I don't really know if this is my kind of thing. Cause I, I like fast paced things, right? But then my dad also said the same thing about him not really getting into Breaking Bad. But he was more upset about the fact that it had to do with drugs. That was oh. his, you know, brown parents. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my parents are fairly liberal about that. But my dad was just like, I just can't relate to Walter White's struggle with, you know, the cancer diagnosis and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could relate with it either. I just really like the storyline. Yes, me too. And so have you watched uh, Better Call Saul and El Camino? I have. Better Call Saul is... One of my favorite shows, and so is El Camino. El Camino is one of my favorite movies. Uh, I don't like to rewatch movies. I only re- have rewatched, uh, I think, three movies my entire life. Kabi Kushi Kabi Gum, Hereditary, because it's my favorite horror movie of all yes. time. And Breaking Bad, uh, or not Breaking Bad. Breaking Bad, the show is, I rewatched uh, two or three times now. El Camino, I've watched twice. But I love the prequel idea that they had with Better Call Saul and how they kind of, talked about uh, or kind of showed us how Saul's storyline developed and where he started, right? And his perspective. And it was also the cartel and all the beef and how it all developed before Heisenberg entered the picture. I've only seen the first couple of episodes of Better Called Saul and like Breaking Bad, it has a little bit of a slow start. So it's a little harder to get into, would you agree? It doesn't just have a slow start. I'll say the whole thing is pretty slow. I'll say probably until the last like 10 minutes of the episode, 10 minutes is being generous, probably five minutes of the episode, they start getting a bit more, you know, crazy. Um, and like the, the plot thickens, right? Always near the end of the episode. So I, I could understand why it's a little hard to get into, but you definitely should. Definitely mm-hmm. should, I recommend. Everybody tells me to watch Better Call Saul. I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. And I actually saw El Camino when it came out. Um, a friend and I, we saw it in a theater, like a local theater when it came out. And it was awesome. I think I remember you uh, posting that on your story. And I saw that. I was like so jealous because I had to watch it on a freaking laptop. Oh. I was like, oh, I get this experience against the theater. 
I also saw that um, they were doing like, because they weren't releasing them in theater. They weren't releasing the whole movie in like nationwide across all theaters, right? It wasn't like a huge production thing, right? It was yeah. like a major release. It was like a soft release, right? Yeah, it was in select theaters, I believe. Yeah, I remember I saw a YouTube video when um, it came out and they went to like the premiere, um, Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul to like surprise fans. And I was just like, oh, must be nice. This is not exactly like Breaking Bad, but similar thing happened with one of my roommates where he saw No Time to Die and Daniel Craig showed up at the IMAX screening. That must be nice. I would be so <laughs> cool to just go to a theater and go to the premiere and be like, ah, oh, just here for the movie and then you know the movie people show up <laughs> that's awesome and so um we both took chemistry in high school i took it for one year and you took it for was it three years i took it for two because i dropped it my i dropped ib my senior year um but breaking bad was kind of a factor into why i took it for two years yeah i've always been curious about that so what was it like to watch breaking bad with that chemistry student knowledge i'll say it was really cool because um i actually understood the science when it was discussed um because you know sometimes they just talk you know they have like the teacher just like saying things in the background and like the cameras on like the students doing like other things and you're focused on what the students are doing i'm remembering like an exact scene where this is happening and then walter is like guys like focus and they're just like we don't really care right like when he was talking about the kind of stuff he was talking about, I remember it was the episode um, that he exploded that, uh, I think it was like a bee, I don't know what it was, but he exploded the mercury in Tuco's building. At the beginning of that episode, he was talking about the science behind the mercury and why it was so explosive. And then at the end of the episode, we see the science. And so it was really cool to actually like understand it and then see how like the like the show kind of explained it to. I'll be honest, I almost failed chemistry. So I didn't really have that background. Like I'll say it, I almost failed chemistry. It's like, it's like a genetic thing with my family. Like almost nobody in my, in my family did good in chemistry or like oh chemistry. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I love that episode. I actually wrote a paper about it um, for one of my classes a few years ago, that same episodes where he blows up Tuco's headquarters with that chemical thing. Yeah, yeah. It was, that was an episode. That was an episode. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so Breaking Bad was passed on by Showtime because they were making weeds and HBO and TNT also passed on Breaking Bad, but then FX bought the show, but then they started developing Dirt, which is a female-based crime drama. And so FX passed on Breaking Bad and then AMC bought it. Do you have any thoughts in retrospect on all these networks missing out on Breaking Bad? Oh yeah, most definitely. I I feel like in retrospect, they regretted their decision um, after Breaking Bad won all their Emmys. And um, I've actually never heard of Dirt. I didn't know about, you said FX bought the show and then they took Dirt on and then gave Breaking Bad to AMC. Is that what you said? I think so. Okay, so yeah, if, if they took on Dirt and then like released Breaking Bad, that was a big mistake because I've never heard of Dirt, but I love Breaking Bad. That's all I'm going to say. I think HBO also missed out because, you know, they had the Sopranos. So they already had that anti-hero thing. So it could have fit in right in there. Mm -hmm. I've actually never watched the Sopranos, but I've always wanted to. Uh, me too. And have you ever watched the show Weeds? I'm just wondering. I haven't, uh, but it's also been recommended on my Netflix. Um, 
I, I've always kind of like thought about watching it, but I was like, ah, if it's just like the female version of Breaking Bad, I just, I already know what's happened in Breaking Bad. It'll be predictable to me, which probably it isn't, but that's just kind of how I see it. But have you seen Breeds? Do you know if it is like Breaking Bad at all? I know it's about drug trading. That's all I know. Yeah, that's all I know too. And I know that it's a high school teacher, but it's just a woman. Mm. And it's just that kind of trope, right? But I think I might want to start like an episode or two, see how it is, if it is any different, any better. I guess that gets me to my next question. So do you feel like the anti-hero trope is male-dominated? What do you mean by anti-hero specifically? Anti-hero, like, um, like people who are doing the wrong things for the right reasons, I guess. Okay, so yes. Then in that sense, I would say he it is a more male-dominated thing because, uh, or at least in media, it's portrayed more in media because I think it's a more uh, male characteristic to try to dominate in any aspect in life. I just feel like that's just how the world kind of works you know, patriarchy and all. Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's really just the, the, the gist of it. And so before you got into Breaking Bad, have you ever watched uh, Brian Cranston in Malcolm in the Middle? Oh my God, of course. I love Malcolm, Malcolm in the Middle. And I thought he was so funny in Malcolm in the Middle. And then when I realized this was the same actor from Malcolm in the Middle, I was like, you were a very different person here. And so I was like, oh, wow, his range, unbelievable. Brian Cranston, unbelievable actor. So great, so great. He's such a great actor. Like even after Breaking Bad, he he, he does mostly comedies from what I can remember. Yeah, and I've actually, um, I don't remember who said it, but I was watching a few interviews like a couple years back and some people were talking about how they were, uh, interested in comedy. I believe it was Jordan Peele. Um, and when he was talking about how he moved from, you know, Key and Peele into like horror movies, right. Um, directing horror movies. And so I, he, he was mentioning something about, I forgot the exact words that he used, but he said how in comedy, you have to like put on this kind of show, right. You have to make people laugh. And then with uh, horror, you kind of have to, you know, scare people, the fear factor, the hilarity of it, it's all human emotion. And that's just try to let, he always tries to tap into that is what he said, something like right. that. We actually studied Breaking Bad in one of my media classes a week ago. And we talked about Malcolm in the middle and like um, Walter White, he's a very charismatic person on the outside. And they said it's because um, people, when they watch the show, they had that expectation of him from Malcolm in the middle. And so that's why he's so charismatic because people saw him as charismatic in Malcolm in the middle. And I've heard similar examples in, uh, have you ever watched the show Dexter? Yes. Yes, I have. And so Michael C. Hall was a very empathetic person in Six Feet Under. And then when he plays a serial killer, people see him as charming because they saw him as charming in Six Feet Under. I think definitely that like their previous roles have um, an effect on the other roles that they play, um, or at least how people perceive them, right? Which is why, you know, people have favorite actors because they're like, ah, they always take on these kinds of roles or they always portray this kind of character or something like that, right? But I also think that because their problems at the beginning when they're introduced um, are portrayed in like the most surface level context, right? They're just kind of like, oh, this man has cancer. He's uh, basically living off a teacher's salary. He's working a second job at a car wash. Um, I think all of these things playing into factor also affect that too, right? He's a man with cancer. You can't help but pity him. Right. 
And so I guess that gets us to talking about the pilot, which premiered on, wow, January 20th, 2008. That long ago? 2008? We were in second grade when this show came out. Wow. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Pilot was great. Pilot, um, I want to say the beginning of it when they, the first shot, right? When he's like with the underwear just flying in the wind and all that, right? And the, and the underwear just running towards his RV. All of that kind of like, you know, grabs your attention. It's like, what is going on? It definitely keeps the viewer watching, which is great. Um, and definitely uh, something I'm sure Vince Gilligan purposefully did try to grab the attention of the viewers. Um, but I love that he started with, um, he didn't just start like on any random day. It was his 50th birthday, Walter White's 50th birthday. And then um, he's diagnosed with cancer that day. And we see like what his daily routine is too. I feel like all these all these things play into that factor that you're saying of us pitting him, you know? Yeah, and uh, you make a good point about us pitting him because, you know, he has a very low paying job. He has a second baby on the way later in the season and also health insurance is like crazy expensive and he just feels defeated in life because like his son, Walt Jr. looks up to his uncle Hank instead of him. And, um, you know, that whole gray matter technology thing, like he feels like I missed out on that. I shouldn't have left because they're like millionaires now. Yeah. Yep. And so um, Jesse and Hank were originally meant to die at the end of season one, but then the writer strike happened of 2007. So they had to scrap that because of a shorter season. And so what do you think about Walter and Jesse's dynamic? Because I think that's like the heart of the show. I have a lot of thoughts about their dynamic. So this is gonna be like, it's kind of a complicated question because as much as I love the chemistry between Aaron Paul and Brian Cranston, no pun intended, um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> their dynamic as Jesse and Walter White was extremely toxic. And the dynamic between them only took place because Walter needed to use Jesse and Jesse just needed money. Right. Um, so Walter just, you know, took on Jesse because he just needed him for the business. It's the only reason he took him on. Um, like we saw how many times Walter would just beat on Jesse and degrade him and his intelligence and his cleverness and his skills in the lab even. Right. But then Walter made the mistake of making the whole business personal, which is what killed him in the end. And then on the other hand, Jesse was trapped into the business. And that's kind of why we get to see him escape at the end, but not necessarily live the life that he should live, right? A free life. So I think Walter was just a very manipulative person towards Jesse. And the dynamic initially started probably healthy, but it became extremely toxic. It did become really toxic, like especially at the end where he just gave Jesse away to those white supremacists in season five. Mm -hmm. One of the key moments that comes to mind when I talk about his manipulation is when um, Brock died and how Walter acted like he wasn't behind the whole thing when Jesse confronted him and then tried to show evidence that, or show manipulated evidence that it wasn't him and it wasn't his doing that Brock was sick or that Brock died, right? Um, 
that whole episode, that whole storyline just kind of put that into stone. It was like, yes, this man is only serving himself and that's it. Nobody else mm -hmm. doesn't care what happens to anyone. Yeah. I mean, it was horrific when he poisoned Brock. Unfortunately, Brock survived, but that was horrific. Oh, right. Brock survived, but he, yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you. The right. old, the older son died. Yeah. The older son died the, because of, um, the cartel though. Right. Yeah. I think so. he was selling drugs and then the cartel had to kill him. Right. I think so. That's what happened. Yeah. And also like when he left Jane to die, when she was overdosing. That, that was, I want to say probably Walter's most cruel acts um, because the other deaths um, or the other people that he killed, they were also for his own self-serving purposes, but at the same time, they were also on the verge of killing him mm -hmm. at some point or had the ability to kill him, right? Whereas Jane probably wasn't going to, she really just had a plan just to run away with the money and like start a new life with Jesse. And honestly, that's okay. I feel like that's totally, that's totally valid. And yes, they were recovering drug addicts, but that doesn't mean that she deserved to die the way she, that she died because mm -hmm. Walter wanted to be selfish. Yeah. I want to go back to Jesse. So I feel like he's like a great foil to Walter because he begins as like this petty, laid back criminal, but then as he gets power and money, he he kind of wants out because he feels very guilty about having all that money. Like there's, there's that scene at the end of the show where he just gets $5 million and then he just throws it away in the neighborhood because he mm -hmm. does not feel like he earned it. Or like throws, the, throws the, the bills out like his window while he's driving. Yeah, I remember, I remember. And I 100% agree. Yeah, great job, yeah. Yeah, and he just becomes the moral compass of the show. Like, I think at the beginning, Walter was in a very messed up way, the saner person of the duo, but then it just flipped by the end of the show. Would you agree? I want to say he was sane in the sense that he had, like, I don't want to say sane. I want to say that he had a determined goal, whereas Jesse was just like, I just want to make money, right? Mm -hmm. I just want to make money and, you know, mess around, do whatever I want and be okay. Whereas Walter was like, I'm going to die and my family lives off of me and lives off of my support solely. No one else can provide what I provide for them. So I want to say because of his determination and his goals that made him uh, more sane mm -hmm. in a sense. Yes. And we talked about him and uh, Jane is that I think the show does a really good job at humanizing what it's like to be a drug addict, would you agree? Oh yeah, 100%. I think Jesse's character did an excellent job humanizing addiction and that even goes for Aaron Paul's uh, spectacular job at his role. You know, not only from the beginning, just from like, you know, being a fiend, trying to like, you know, mess around in the business, just trying to use the product for himself, but also when he has to deal with his mistakes that he and both Walter make and put themselves into, right? Um, and like you said, during his relationship with Jane, especially like when he, I, I, I'm pretty sure he started, um, remind me if I'm wrong, but he, I'm pretty sure he entered the relationship clean. Like he wasn't on drugs or anything, or he, at least recovering, right. They're both recovering addicts. Right. I think he got off of meth for a while, but then she got both of them into cocaine. 
Right. And then she got them both into cocaine. And then I'm also sure heroin. And he's never tried heroin before. He was with her. So I definitely think that it was just a tragedy, to say the least, Mm -hmm. for Jesse's character. And so who are your favorite characters on the show? And who are your least favorite characters on the show? The first time I watched it around, my favorite character was obviously Walter, his main character. But my second time around, he ended up becoming my least favorite because knowing how the story ended, knowing how all the people came to their demise or fell, you know, it kind of puts everything into perspective watching it the second time around. It's like, okay, let's see how it came into what it, you know, became. And you see the second time around or the third time around, the fourth time around that Walter is just extremely, extremely manipulative and selfish and self-serving. So I feel like all of these things kind of play a role into how that kind of happens, you know? I think for me, my favorite characters was, I really liked uh, Mike Armentrout's character. Yeah, Armentrout was a very, uh, I'll say he was probably one of the moral compasses of the show, right? Like he- He definitely had his own set of morals that he abide by, abode by, um, abided by. And he did a great job enforcing that onto the other people around him, right? He he was great at, you know, setting his own boundaries and talking about or making sure that he doesn't make the whole business personal. And that's what I really admired about him. So yeah, I, I would agree. He's probably one of my favorite as well. And I think for least favorite, I began not liking Hank because he was just a super macho man. But then I think after that shootout, he kind of changed and he kind of switched places with Walt. Mm-hmm. I think after the shootout and all that trauma happened at the shootout and when he encountered the twins and then he had to you know go to the hospital and all that happened, right? I think that also kind of humbled him because he was like this macho man that you said and that humbling kind of guided him in the right direction of who is Heisenberg how do I find him how do I catch him Mm -hmm. and least favorite I think my least favorite is Todd I hate (laughs) I hated Todd (laughs) Todd is Todd is the worst Todd is definitely one of the worst agreed yep are there any season one events that you have any comments about like anything that shocked you or that you really liked happening Um, I feel like season one did a great job setting up for just the entire show um, and the characters, especially just for us to understand what kind of people we were watching and what kind of lives they um, had and why they were having the problems that they were having. Right. Um, So that was my favorite part of season one. We just got to see like the established characters. I like that too. It does a really good job at just fleshing out these characters in the pilot. I love that. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of pilots can do that. I agree. I agree. And it's it's really difficult to, like I said, catch the catch the attention of your viewers. And I think Vince Gilligan kind of could tell that his show would probably be like a little bit slower paced at the beginning, which is probably why he put that first shot, that first scene of, you know, Brian Cranston in his underwear driving down the desert in an RV with some meth in his RV. Like it's crazy. Yeah. And so I guess we should move on to season two. So this is the one where 
at the start of every episode, they had like that mystery of like that stuffed doll in the pool and a bunch of fire. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know if I was a big fan of that, to be honest with you, because I don't know, maybe it's because I binge watched it. So that mystery element wasn't really there. I don't know, like that whole plane thing. It was a little out there for me mm-hmm. because it, I don't think it's really mentioned after that happened in season two. I think you're right. They don't, I don't feel like they mentioned the flight um, later in the show, but I do, um, I do, I did like how they did that little mystery thing at the beginning of the episodes. Um, the second time I watched around because okay. obviously the first time we're just kind of like, what is this? I don't, I don't understand. Like, what is this pink teddy bear? Why is it black and white? What is going on? Um, like, it just doesn't make sense. So I get it. But <laughs> the second time around knowing like what happened and, you know, seeing the people in the hazmat suits going into Walter's house and like cleaning up the stuff. It's like, oh my gosh, at first you're like, he's been caught. And then you're like, oh, he messed something up really Mm -hmm. bad. He did. I think one of the major arcs of season two was Skylar getting very suspicious of Walter Mm -hmm. throughout Mm -hmm. the season. And so what do you think, like, you know, when she does find out, she kind of buys into it. Like at first she's resistant, but then she becomes more active in his criminal life. Like, what do you think about the character Skylar in her arc? The first time around, like everybody, I hated Skylar. Like, mm-hmm. she she was just, you know, getting in Walter's way and she was getting in the way of his business and making him stop making money for the family. And it's so bad because he wants to support his family after he's gone and all these things, right? The second time you watch it around, you notice that Skylar's only thinking about the safety of her family. While yes, Walter is thinking about supporting his family, he's not being smart about it. He's making it personal. He's making the business personal, right? So I think at first, uh, the first time watching around, everyone's gonna probably hate Skylar because she's kind of you know putting a rift in his game. But then you realize, Now, this woman was only thinking of her family, only thinking of others, not herself. Yeah, and again, going back to, like, rooting for Walt, or at least understanding him, like, he's a villain, and so I think that's why we kind of root against Skylar, even though she is very much in the right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Agreed. And because, you know, we're following... Or not Hank. We're following Walter's storyline, mainly. We're, We're following the reason for why he got into the business and his his justification right for the business is because he wants to support his family but then later it becomes self-fulfillment mm-hmm. he's enjoying it it's a it's a high for him the business is a high for him yes and so this season also introduces us to Saul Goodman and I know you've watched Better Called Saul so do you like Saul Goodman oh yeah I loved him I I thought he was annoying at first because I was like I was annoying little lawyer, but he's great. I love Saul. <laughs> I love him too. Bo- Bob Owen- Odenkirk is really oh good. Oh my God. Fantabulous at what he did. Fantabulous. Mm-hmm. And so I think um, we're on to season three now. Do you feel like this season was a point of no return for Walter White? Mm, I want to say season three's, season three was really the point where Heisen, or not Heisen, yeah, Heisenberg was probably at his peak. 
peak meaning like in crime because he was obviously making the most money when he was with Gus, but his crimes as well were escalated. And as the money went up, the crimes went up. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. They did. And it just becomes harder and harder to rationalize what Walter's doing. It really is. And I feel this is where like he's trying to explain to himself that what I'm doing is right, mm-hmm. even though clearly to the audience, he's in the wrong, like he's starting to delve into more and more wrong behavior now. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she, he's, he's really, uh, really nurturing that villain side of him. Yeah. And you mentioned that this was kind of his peak because in season four, which I think we should get into next is when he like tries to take out Gus, he mm-hmm. tries taking out Gus thinking that he can just take over him, but then in, Season five, he's just very inferior to Gus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I really thought that Vince Gilligan did a great job with how each season was kind of like, you know, how in uh, elementary school we learn about the, like how the storyline is like, you know, the first we have the, what it is, the established roles, and then we have the rising action and mm-hmm. the conflict, right? That's literally how it went. Like first season, second season, the rising action, third season, the conflict, right? His money, his crimes. Fourth season starts to fall because we start to see how, because Walter's been making the business personal, we start to see the um, downfall of his business, right? Yeah, and you mentioned at the very beginning that the relationship between Jesse and Walter is very toxic. And I think that's at full display in this season where he, Walter poisons Brock, but then lies to Jesse to convince mm-hmm. him to kill Gus. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think that Walter really dived into his manipulation and um, deceiving techniques. Like he, he really tried to deceive everybody around him, not just um, his family with his lies about whatever he was doing, but his own partners, right? He wasn't mm-hmm. being honest with them. He wasn't being honest with uh, his, you know, the people, his team, right? It's just, it's a tragedy all in all. It is. And so is there anything else from season four you want to mention before we get to the last one, season five? Mm, no, I think, I think I'm good with season four. All right. So season five, the final season. And I just want to say is that I really appreciate AMC, like not stretching out Breaking Bad for like eight or nine seasons that they gave Vince the chance to end it on his own terms. Mm -hmm. I agree. And I remember um, hearing about that because he was even like, yeah, I was offered like as many as I needed, but I felt like it was done at this moment. And I, I think he made a great decision because there are some shows out there that, you know, the first few seasons, fantastic. And then eventually they kind of, you know, start to fall off or people just lose interest. I think this kept people in and then it doesn't just keep people in, but it brings people back. It does. Mm-hmm. Are you thinking of like Dexter in a sense? I am. I am thinking a little bit of Dexter because Dexter, I also felt a little bit of the same way um, <clears throat> because um, I didn't rewatch Dexter just because it was so long. Um, but Dexter, I remember whenever people would ask me like, oh, would you recommend it? I'd tell them like the first like three or four seasons were probably good. And then they had they, they had six seasons or seven. How many seasons does Dexter have? On Wikipedia, it says that Dexter had eight seasons. 
yeah eight seasons so that means the first four four or five seasons were pretty good and then five and beyond probably I thought wasn't the greatest just because it was like it felt like they were trying to do too much you know what I mean yeah are you gonna watch the Showtime revival this fall of Dexter yeah the Showtime revival yeah they're bringing Dexter back for a season okay wait I feel like I heard about this but I didn't know it was coming this this year is it this year I think it's this year oh I didn't know it was this recent okay well yeah I'm definitely looking forward to that yeah, you know, time is flying under the pandemic. Yeah, no, you're telling me. And so season five, um, so much, it's like a big moment of just karma, I think, for a lot of characters, especially Walt. Mm -hmm. I like that you use that word, karma. Mm -hmm. It's definitely mm -hmm. everybody kind of um, getting what they dished out. Yeah, uh, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, like Lydia dies of rice and po poisoning. Uh, Jack, I, I forgot who Jack is. Jack is one of the white supremacists. Um, I think he's Jesse's uncle. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, he dies in that shootout in the finale. Right. And Todd gets choked out by Jesse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like, what was your reaction when Hank found out that Walt is Heisenberg? Do you remember your reaction? I, I remember the first time around, I was like, oh, it's over, you know, they're going to catch Walt and now he won't be able to support his family and he's going to die and they're not going to have money and oh, it's so sad. And then um, the second time around, I was like, finally, finally, <laughs> like, yeah, I, I, yeah, I was like relieved. I was like, okay. Good job, Hank. I was really rooting for Hank because I remember he was just going through so much trauma and mm -hmm. he was being extremely hard on himself. I, I just remember watching it the second time around. I felt relief. The trials and tribulations are finally going to come to an end. Finally. And I just want to make a quick comment about Todd. Like he, they do that train heist where they replace, um, I think it was Matt with water on a train. Mm -hmm. And then Todd just shoots a kid because he was just standing there. I know. And tr Todd, Todd is just the textbook definition of a psychopath, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. I, I'm speculating that he probably went through his own great deal of trauma growing up in a family of white supremacists, which is probably what turned him into the monster that we know him as. But um, we also saw that he's a bit ditzy. So this might sound harsh, but his actions and submissiveness to the white supremacists made him a coward. Made him mm -hmm. an idiot in the business and the cartel game, you know? And I think that El Camino kind of tried to flesh out his character a little bit more when he like spends that day with Jesse trying to bury a body. And also like just going into his home, seeing the way that he lived. It's just really like you live like this. Mm -hmm. Like I remember I, he, he was like eating cans of beans for dinner and stuff like that or soup, like canned food for sustenance, right? I don't know, psychopathic behavior. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like he still treats Jesse like horribly, but he's still trying to like be a little bit kinder than the others. Like he offers him ice cream and. Right. He has like all this money and he's like living in, he lives, he lived in a nice place, but the way that he kind of, I don't know, treated himself was just like, why are you doing this? What, mm -hmm. What's wrong with you? Yeah. He was also a little bit, um, stalkerish, like I don't know. If, I don't know if you remember that all those snow globes. Like he made a snow globe up. I think yeah. Lydia. Yeah, I remember that. I remember. I, 
don't know if I would call it stalkerish, but he definitely likes to uh, keep little replicas of special moments in his life, right? Didn't he have like a little replica of when he shot the kid? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, I remember like, you remember he had like a spider in his room? Yeah. Right. I just remember like seeing all these little moments from Breaking Bad when like he did all these like, you know, crazy things. Um, I just remember those being like those little figures. And I was like, wow, he likes to remember his trauma. It's weird. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think they introduced, I think Lydia is introduced in this season or season four. So what do you think about Lydia? Because like we mentioned, um, she's like the only female anti-hero in the show. Yeah. I'll say she's um, definitely a boss in her mm-hmm. business and she knows what she's doing. But she, I don't know if I would say that she did a good job at keeping her business as set aside from her personal life because obviously you know they got that little mix in when we saw the scene of her death and we saw you know her daughter was there and everything but I think she was just being a bit careless with uh her partners um that's not her fault necessarily I feel like her partners were just you know dishonest men and you know trying to get in the business and get money make money um, but Lydia, uh, as an anti-hero, yeah, she definitely wanted to serve her own needs of, you know, making money, but she was also just running a business of her own too. So I don't know. It's, it's weird with her. She was also a little bit careless and a little neurotic. I think like, like she was very nervous a lot of the time. Yeah. She, she definitely had a lot of anxiety. I could tell. And I mean, she's like this really big boss at her company and she's involving herself in the cartel game and the meth business and I mean (laughs) and she has a daughter like Mm -hmm. yeah I as someone with anxiety I could understand why she would probably have some anxiety in her situation it's a bit crazy to say and you mentioned how she kind of mixed she gets too personal with the business. So in a way, she's kind of like a female version of Walter. She could be, um, but I don't want to say she involved herself to the extent that Walter did. They probably had like the same motives for, you know, supporting their families and, you know, making the money, of course. But I feel like with her, she like, I mean, we didn't get to spend as much time with her um, as we did with Walter. So we got to see how, Walter involved his personal life with the business more than Lydia. Um, But I still think that Lydia did a better job at keeping it separate than Walter did, even though she did die at the end. Yeah. And so I want to talk about Felina, but before that, I want to talk about the episode Ozymandias. It's considered, I think, the best episode of Breaking Bad. Could you remind me what happened in that episode? I don't remember that that name. I remember Felina is the name of uh, the last episode, correct? Yeah, Yeah, I don't remember the other... Ozzy Mendes is the episode where Hank dies and uh, Skyler like pulls the knife on Walter and then Walter like leaves with their daughter, Holly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what did you want to know about Ozzy Mendes? Oh, no, I just want to say like it was such an intense episode. Oh, yeah, for sure. And what I really liked about that episode, though, 
was the acting, mm-hmm. um, Brian Cranston and I forgot Hank's name. What was his name again? Dean Norris. Dean Norris. Oh my gosh. His, I'll be honest. I also felt anxious every time he was on camera because I could tell he was on edge and I could tell mm-hmm. he had a lot of, you know, stress on him because he's the DEA agent and in charge of this really big case and all. But I still think that his tragedy was so well portrayed and I don't know it was just it was a masterpiece to watch those episodes season five was just a masterpiece in my opinion it was a masterpiece and also in this episode um like Walter's family has officially like cut ties with him and Mm -hmm. when Walter steals Holly that just gave me chills Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. Skyler's like running after him because it literally emphasizes that whole notion of self-fulfilling needs yes he's here to support his family isn't Skyler's family? I don't know. It just, it was a lot of uh, intense moments in that, in that episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so now I want to talk about the finale, Felina. Mm-hmm. And so do you think that Walter won in the end or do you think he didn't? I don't feel like there were any winners in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, not Walter, not his family, not the cartel, not Jesse even, nobody. I, I don't, I don't feel like Jesse had a not like he was the winner in his ending either because yes he did survive but he didn't necessarily get to live a free life right he has to isolate himself in alaska walter most definitely didn't win in the end because he died he he didn't generate as much money as he uh, or not generate he definitely generated as much money as he could um could have but keeping it and making sure that like no one else would take it no downfall and also he blackmails the, I think it's the founders of Grey Matter into right. giving all that money to Walt Jr. to trust. But I don't know. I don't know if they would actually buy it that they're just giving all this money on their own. They must have known that Walter blackmailed them. Oh, yeah. And so I, even if they um, say that, like, I'm sure they'll probably get some try, some sort of way to try to do it. Um but yeah, you're probably right that they probably would not accept the money because they might have some speculation he had some sort of involvement with it. Do you remember that scene where like Walter and Jesse just look at each other and then Jesse just drives away? How did you interpret that when they just nod each other and then he just leaves? I interpreted that as Walter giving Jesse permission to leave because Jesse at that time was being treated like an animal. He was. He was, a, he was a prisoner to white supremacists. And they literally kept him locked up, chained while he worked. His only like purpose at that point, at that time in his life was to make meth. Mm-hmm. So when Walter shows up and then he does this whole thing to get rid of the white supremacists, he doesn't know that Jesse's still there. Because if you remember, he, the last time he talked to the cartel, or not the cartel, the white supremacists, um, and traded off Jesse for his own safety, um, he asked them to kill him because, like, he just needed them to kill him. 
And they said that he would eventually after he, you know, made them a certain amount of meth or something, but then they didn't because why not just keep making more meth and make more money? So that nod, I feel like was Walter's blessing to Jesse to finally leave his nest because like I said, Walter only took Jesse on in the beginning because of his money and, or not because of his money, because he knew the business. Walter took Jesse on only because he knew the business. And because Walter's not involved with it anymore, Walter has no business with it anymore. Walter has no business with Jesse anymore. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Jesse, you can go. You don't need to do this anymore. Old Jesse probably would have been like, I don't need permission from anybody, right? But this Jesse, this traumatized Jesse, he needed that permission. And I think that was like the okay. He did. And I've heard this theory or analysis that in the final episodes, Walter White came back from Heisenberg, but it was too late. Do you see it that way? Perhaps. Um, I want to say maybe he returned from Heisenberg only because of Jesse and saying like, what he what his what walter's mistakes have led to somebody else's life right he he messed up so badly that someone else's life is in absolute shambles so i think that moment of realization after he killed all the white supremacists was like or not the moment after probably right before it was like okay, yeah, I'm going to save this kid. And that's why he takes Jesse down with him, right? Mm -hmm. To make sure that he doesn't get hurt. And so since you've watched uh, El Camino Breaking Bad movie, do you feel like they should have left Jesse's ending ambiguous when he drove away and just broke down in laughter? It's totally fine for them to have done that um, because in my eyes, my perspective, when I saw that, I was I was relieved for him. I was like, he's finally getting out of there and he's okay, it'll be fine. Um, and in my head, I was like, okay, he's gonna somehow find his way, literally just the El Camino way, right? He's mm-hmm. gonna somehow find a way to get out of there. And so I think it would have been perfectly fine. Um, I know a lot of people probably didn't feel the same way and they wanted like something more. Um, but I think Vince Gilligan did an excellent job with El Camino and that that finishing that storyline for Jesse. I would have been perfectly fine if they left it ambiguous, mm-hmm. but I really liked El Camino. Mm-hmm. I did too. And we mentioned earlier that Walter kind of gave Jesse permission to live his own life. And I think that's very evident in El Camino because we don't see Walter Jr. or Skyler because Jesse and Walter are like, completely detached at this point. I do Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah. And um, I think because they're not, you know, they don't have each other in each other's lives anymore. Jesse can finally be like, okay, what do I need to do? What do I want to do? Mm -hmm. And he realizes it's literally just, I just want to be at peace. I just want to be safe and at peace. And he finally gets that. And I, I couldn't be happier for him. I was very happy when in El Camino, he, drove off into Alaska. Mm-hmm. And then he has that flashback with Jane that was really well done. Mm-hmm. What do you think was in the letter that he gave to Brock? Like, do you have any theories about that? Which letter? The Like at the end when he's in Alaska and he gives the vacuum store guy the letter? I think he probably 
um, said something to Brock, uh, something along the lines of like, um, you're probably never going to see me again, but I just want you to know, like, you're a strong man and you can do anything in the world. Maybe some words of encouragement, mm -hmm. right? And then probably not an explanation for what he did ever. Um, or maybe because he's not Jesse anymore. He's a random guy in Alaska. So I don't know. I, I'm not exactly sure what he could have put in there, but I'm speculating something about supporting Brock or encouraging Brock, maybe even some money, right? Probably some money. And I, I think I heard that Vince Gillen being actually shot a scene where like it was supposed to end with um, Jesse driving down in Alaska and then the voiceover of what he said in the letter, but then they decided to cut it at the last minutes. Mm -hmm. I think I read something about that, but yeah, I, I like how they just kept the last shot of him just driving because the last shot of Breaking Bad was him just driving and he was, you know, hysterically laughing after running away from, or finally escaping the white supremacists and finally escaping Walter and Walter's grip, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that final shot of El Camino when he's driving peacefully down that road in Alaska and he like kind of curls his lips into a soft smile or, you know, you just see peace in his eyes. It's, it's refreshing. It is. And so I guess we're at the end of the podcast here. So would you like to say any favorite moments or quotes from the show Breaking Bad? I'd love to share them all, but right. <laughs> I'd rather just tell everybody listening to just go watch this show because Vince Gilligan is a, he's a creative genius. He's incredible at what he does. And it may have a slow beginning for you at first if you're not used to plots thickening but the plot thickens it immensely. Does. So if you haven't watched it and I haven't spoiled it enough for you already, <laughs> go ahead and watch. Yeah, I have the same thing where I don't really think we should share favorite moments and quotes because you should just experience it firsthand. Yeah, yeah. I still think that um, my favorite quote is probably, yeah, B word, you know, Jesse B. Anytime Jesse said the B word, right? Yes, that yes. was awesome. That was my favorite. That was my favorite moment. I'll say that. <laughs> Yes, me, me too. And since we both took chemistry, I also liked some moments where he was like teaching his chemistry class. Yeah, I did too. And I like that because like I said, I, I'd actually understand what he'd be talking about sometimes. And I'd, you know, we'd see the science eventually in the show, right? If they talk about it, we end up seeing it sometime, right? Mm -hmm. I like that. It was good. It just, it just reminds me how at school, like me and some friends, we just called the chemistry classroom the meth lab. That's so funny. <laughs> And so I had a question, actually, since you watched this on Netflix, right? Yes. So did you binge watch it or did you like watch it like a TV show like once or twice a week? I don't want to say binge watch because I don't necessarily binge watch things, but um, I'd watch it like anytime I like would be home, like just taking a break or something. Because like I was like 13 or 14 the first time I watched it. Um, and I just like watch it like every day or something like that whenever I had a chance. I would say probably the second time around, I probably binge watched it because I was like, I just want to watch something that I know that I love because there's nothing else good on. And yeah, this, I remember like last summer or the summer before, I think it was 2019 summer, the summer before the pandemic. Um, I was just like, um, I'm chilling. There's nothing good on Netflix. 
Oh, it was the summer that uh, uh, Game of Thrones released their final season. Oh, that yeah, year. Yeah, that year. And so after Game of Thrones had their final season, I was like, man, I know they could do better than that. And I know there are better shows with better endings. Let me watch something to like kind of make up for that. And I watched Breaking Bad again. And I was like, yeah, I made the right choice doing this. That's great. And so... Uh, I talked about this. I did a whole separate episode about binge watching. Do you feel like you could binge watch something like Breaking Bad because so much is happening? Oh, yeah, you definitely could because um, the plot, it's really easy to follow. Um, Mm -hmm. It might seem complicated at times because it's like, oh, well, I thought this thing happened. And then you've realized later, like, oh, someone manipulated something. So something changed, right? Um, But I, I definitely think it's, just really well put together and easy to follow. Yeah. All right. So Faria, do you have any final comments about the show Breaking Bad, El Camino, or Better Call Saul? I will just say watch Breaking Bad first and then watch El Camino and then watch Better Call Saul because Breaking Bad kind of you know, it's it's the whole story. It's what what is the Breaking Bad, right? What happened? And then El Camino is the follow-up. So you see what happens after everything happens. But then Better Call Saul is the prequel. And it gives a great dive into the characters, the secondary characters of Breaking Bad. Not the main characters, right? Like uh, Jesse and Walter, right? It goes into Saul Goodman and the cartel people, right? Mm-hmm. And Hank. So... That's the order I recommend watching it in, but I'll, all I all I want to say is watch it. This is an incredible show. It's so well put together. The production is fantastic. The writing is so well done. The producers did an excellent job planning the show out. I just, from the perspective of somebody in media, it's just a cinematic masterpiece in my opinion, so... Props to Vince Gilligan and the entire cast of Breaking Bad. It is a cinematic masterpiece. And the show is also quickly mentioning here, it is shot beautifully. I just want to say that. It's a beautiful oh. looking show. Mm-hmm. And it's I, what I, I want to just say one final thing that I loved when I was like doing more research on Breaking Bad after watching it the second time. So I was like, oh, I just need to consume more Breaking Bad content. I love that they plan their shots because like with colors right they they made sure that the colors were coordinating with the moods of the characters or the lighting of the room would coordinate with the mood of the scene and the setting would always have a role in whatever the storyline was right everything was just so well planned out that like I said as a perspective from of somebody in media it's just so well put together and I just can't encourage you more to watch it it is like they pay so much attention to color like Walter wears like very neutral colors at the beginning to show that he's kind of washed out Mm -hmm. invisible but then he just wears darker colors to show that boulder at the end yeah yes and then I remember um Marie would only be wearing purple right right and then the time that she wouldn't it'd be like something was up Mm -hmm. yeah I love that. Um, and so for you, Brad, thank you so much for being on this podcast episode for Breaking Bad. And also this is episode 70. So thank you for being here to celebrate that. Thank you so much for having me, Vedant. I can't wait to talk to you again about all these things.